Yes, thank you, Pastor Dale. And church, yeah, I just enjoy worshiping with this body of believers. You know, you would think since I was given an additional two weeks, three weeks, whatever that was, to, to prepare for this message that I'd have it all down pat and, and ready to just hand off. But I feel like I'm really still processing this message. This reminds me of my phone. When I, anybody know how to fix an iPhone? Whenever I go to take a picture, it's just like wobbly all over. Hard to get a good picture. Anyways, I'll try not to touch the pulpit. Um, yeah, so I want to share from the book of Malachi. And yeah, I kind of forgot that this is right up ahead of the, the Lancaster Bible School because I think it's, I think it's perhaps good preparation. The, the, the title I have is The Heart's of fathers and children, the hearts of fathers and children. And if, if you're familiar with Malachi at all, you know that that's what it says. The, he's going to send the Messiah, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And that's what the coming of Jesus is all about. And so, you know, how many of these children coming to Lancaster Bible School this next couple, week here, whatever, how many of them are in good connection with their fathers? What percentage? 10%? Maybe even are even living with their fathers? Very small. Yeah. And so it just occurs to me, maybe this is good. But I didn't really have them in mind. I had more us in mind in this message. I uh, have a handout here, and my wife has agreed to help distribute these, and maybe, um, brother here, could you help us too? I only made 30. I think I maybe was a little short. So maybe at least one per couple. Should be a few more than that, I think, but. And the first thing I want you to focus on, I realize I've got the front. You can tell by the staple what's the front. Um, but flip it over and look at the back, because this is where we want to end up. want to end up by having just some interaction and some discussion with you about your own relationship with your father, with your, not with your heavenly father, with your earthly father. <clears throat> and so I'm going to quickly go through these questions because I want you to be thinking about this as we go through the message. So right now, at this precise point in time in your life, what is the thing that you long for the most from your father? I realize some of you, your fathers may be gone. And so that, but perhaps that's what you'd like is just for him to be here. What, what is it that you would long for from your father? Is it affection, approval, affirmation, just advice, a listening ear? Maybe, maybe you'd just like some space from your father. Um, 
practical help, grandfathering, caring for, doting on your kids. Number two, who were you the closest to in growing up? Who are you the closest to now? Who are you the closest to academically? Who, who did you have those mental, who did you argue with? Or <laughs> who did you reason with? Was it your mom or your dad? Practically, who are you the closest to, your mom or your dad? Emotionally. Most people would think, well, you're emotionally closer to your mom. Not necessarily so, always. Spiritually. Who did you trust more growing up? Who do you trust the most now? Again, academically. If, if dad gives you an answer to something, do you trust it? Or maybe, maybe mom would have the better answer academically, practically, emotionally, spiritually. Have you ever been hurt by your father? <clears throat> have you ever lied about that? Because <laughs> I think almost everybody's been hurt by their fathers. Fathers have a way of hurting. I think Dr. Marlon Howe, see he says, Mothers are the leading lovers, and fathers are the, should be the loving leaders. And he says, he goes on to say then, fathers should be loving and a little bit scary. And in that process, we end up kind of hurting sometimes our kids. We don't always, I don't know that we, other than when we're spanking them, we're probably not intentionally hurting them. But long ago I learned that probably at least, I think I concluded back then every day, but I'm thinking now probably at least once a week, every father should go to their church, to each of their children and say, are we okay? Have I hurt you this week? Is there any way that I have said I was going to do something then ended up not doing it? Or was I a little too harsh when I, you know, just clear that with our kids. Again, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, crying out loud, I hope not sexually. Um, have been disappointed by Lack of time spent, lack of communication, secrets. Do you ever get a feeling that you're, there's things your dad or your mom just don't want to talk about, you always wonder about? And again, specifically or in kind of an overall sense. And here's a question. Do you ever feel the need to straighten out your parents, even now? And why? Do you feel like they just kind of need some information, some education? Mom and dad only knew a little more. Be helpful, right? Um, embarrassment. Are you embarrassed by the way they are? And so you kind of wish they'd get this accountability. You feel like your parents don't have any accountability. They can just kind of jolly well be who they want to be, and that's just kind of. They don't answer to anybody. 
or vengeance. They're kind of wanting to get even with your mom and dad. Or maybe not necessarily get even, but just kind of finally show them. And <laughs> show them. And Yvonne and I were talking about this this morning. <clears throat> Why is it that a lot of times kids look forward to leaving home? Why is that? Am I speaking too loud? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, and I was trying to imagine back to when I was, my dad sold the dairy farm when I was 18. And then we, he actually sold it when I was teaching school in Oregon. Actually, it was like 19. And, uh, and then suddenly, my home moved from Wisconsin to Phoenix, Arizona. So I didn't really leave home. My home left me. Um, that kind of happened with my youngest son, too, when we sold our house in California, Los Angeles. Anyway, so hopefully this gets your thoughts stirring. I'd love to hear you talk about this a little bit. So flip back to the front now. Hearts of the fathers and children. And here again, I'm not claiming that I am doing a perfect exegesis on the book of Malachi. <clears throat> we just took a biblical interpretation class at Life Ministries. And I asked um, Zimmerman, Leon Zimmerman, afterward <clears throat> so is biblical interpretation is that a science or is it an art because during the course of the class I almost got the feeling like it was so scientific it's just got to do this thing perfect and in the course of the class he told about some wild places you can end up <laughs> if you get too artistic with biblical interpretation, as you can imagine. <clears throat> so is biblical interpretation a science or an art? And he said, he just kind of chuckled and he said, kind of both. But I, I weary of a scientific approach to biblical interpretation, not in the sense that, that I don't like good sound interpretation but I, I just get tired of the thing of that if we just somehow get it right all of your problems go away or all of the church's issues are resolved T. Austin Sparks in his little booklet called the School of Christ says every problem in the Christian church is corrected by a fresh interpretation of Scripture? No, it's not what he says. By a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. All of Scripture, it's, it's all about Jesus. And if, and if in all of our fine-tuning and mechanisms, mechanizations of Scripture doesn't bring us back to Jesus, we ain't got good interpretation. So anyways, having said that, I hope that I don't 
do um, injustice to the book of Malachi here. And this is, so I'm, I'm going to call this a, a bit of a meander through the book of Malachi. So join me. Go on a hike with me this Sunday morning as we meander our way through the book of Malachi. And I'm going to just say up front that we're not even going to deal with the third chapter. And that is so sad, if you're familiar with Malachi, that we're not even going to look at chapter 3. And, and so we're going to go right there, right now. Chapter 3. You notice in your notes, I have nothing there on chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a beautiful. I mean, ha, have you heard, ever heard the Messiah, Handel's Messiah? Yeah, chapter 3. I think it's the 5th, 6th, and 7th stanza, or part, or whatever you call it, section, deal with Malachi 3. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, and this is King James, obviously. By the way, whenever you have somebody complain, you, I, I love the way the church here sings a lot of um, worship songs, a lot of repetition, and sometimes old-fashioned Christians, too much repetition, you can sing this seven verses seven times or however they say that. Seven eleven songs. <laughs> they must not like Handel's Messiah. A lot of repetition in Handel's Messiah, you know. Who may abide the day of his coming and who shall dwell when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap shall set as a refiner and purifier of silver and he shall purify the sons of Levi and shall purge them as silver and gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord the offering and offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old as in former years. So on and in verse 6 powerful verse I am the Lord I change not. Wow what a by the way last evening Yvonne and I were to a, a hymn sing on the farm. Have you ever been to a hymn sing on the farm? We were invited by someone that we, I work with this guy and his wife comes from a family where they used to do a lot of singing. Do you know who I'm talking about? The Detweilers, yeah. And I don't know anything about the Detweiler family, really, but the father is gone now, and so they just decided to get together and do a hymn sing on the farm around a campfire and invited some of us people, and, and we sang a song that reminded me of this verse. Just sang old hymns, pretty much old hymns. They used to go around, this family used to go around and sing in nursing homes and churches and stuff. It was a wonderful time of worship. So, and then also... Uh, famous verse in verse 8, Will a man rob God, God yet have ye robbed me? Um, verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me not herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So I'm just, we're not even going to look at this chapter. I'm just saying there's rich stuff here. <laughs> Too late before we're done. Yeah, anyways, but I think it kind of highlights the fact that there's good stuff here in the book of Malachi. So let's let's receive this blessing. 
and then also Uh, verse 16, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written for them before him, for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Just a precious verse. And also verse 17, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his son that serveth him. Anyways, so now I feel less guilty for not focusing on the book of, or on the third chapter. <laughs> let's, let's look at chapter one here. I want to look at a number of declarations here as you have them there. The first, the first benevolent declaration, the book of Malachi starts with this declaration where he says, I have loved you. Doesn't that sound like something a father would say, should say? I have loved you. The the uh, message says, I have always loved you. There were a lot of parents here this morning. Do you love your kids? When did you start loving your kid? What, did it take six months or six years? When, when did you start? You just have always loved that little piece of muskeg. Yeah. Now, I, I, I realize sometimes in our brokenness and fallenness and wounding there are parents sometimes that really don't have that natural, and, and there's wonderful ways that God can bring healing to that. But he has always loved us. That's his benevolent declaration. He starts the book. God says, I have always loved you. And we know that. I, I, uh, my, I always knew my dad loved me. But he never did this. He never told me that he loved me. But I always knew that he loved me. And so I struggled with, I, I've always had a good relationship with Jesus, not so good with God the Father. I had this Father thing, I wasn't, just kind of, it was kind of nebulous. It's kind of out there. I wasn't sure what to do with Father God. I had some friends, for some reason I have some good friends that are Certified counselors. They must, God must knew that I needed that. Um, one of them said to me one time, "You know, I think you've got a father issue. I think there's something about your father." You know, I I didn't know until I was after. I'm 60 now, but I was sometime soon after I was 50 that it dawned on me that the huge heart that I have for my kids is what God has for me. That was just a awakening time for me. And so if you're, if you're here and you don't have kids yet, hurry and get some kids because <laughs> you're going to know how much God loves you because you, you just have this huge capacity to love your kids. And that's the way God loves you. And so I was actually taught how much my father loves me, not by my father, but by my kids. I have always loved you, he says. So then we have these three ignorant questions, and we're going to hurry through this. They say, wherein hast thou loved us? I suppose that could have been said of me. My father loved me, but I'm saying, you know, what, how did you love me? Wherein have we despised thy name? 
Wherein have we polluted thee? And then we have this godly interlude. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And at every place incense shall be offered unto me, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. And so here is perhaps, and, and I thought maybe we should sing this. How many of you have ever sung these words? Let, let's just sing this together. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord is to be praised. So why that verse right here? Kind of an introductory sort of place. Perhaps the greater message, I have loved you. And then we're going to conclude with the call from the prophet through the, about the Messiah saying this is all about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And then two con contemptuous statements here in verses 12 and 13. I'm sorry. Um, the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. And behold what a weariness it is response of these people to a father who declares I have loved you I have always loved you oh yeah the table of the Lord is polluted what a weariness it is and so he, he responds with this what you would ha have to call a curse cursed be the deceiver shall I accept this from your hand that's just a bird's eye view quick run through the first chapter chapter 2 a warning to church leaders. If you will not hear, not lay it to heart to give glory to me, to God. Church leaders want to give glory to me, to us. So it's a warning. I will send a curse. I will curse your blessings. I've already cursed you, in fact. I will corrupt your children, put dung on your faces. My covenant shall be given to another. One of this covenant of life and peace one of fearing him. Truth was in his mouth. Iniquity was not found in him. He walked 
with me in peace and equity. Turned away many from iniquity. This thing he will give to another. Church leaders should be people of integrity, knowledgeable, pursue accuracy. Back to biblical interpretation, perhaps. A representative for God. He says, you leaders of the house of Israel are distracted. So many times as a leader, I have been distracted. And in the process, we cause others to stumble. And we get corrupted, compromised. I've made you contemptible and base with the people because of your partiality, God forbid. Some rhetorical questions. Have we not one father? Here, back to the father theme. Are we not all created equally by God? Why are we betraying, dealing treacherously, that is, one another? He says, why are we dealing treacherously, betraying one another? Why are we being dis disrespectful to the covenant of our fathers? We have not been trustworthy. We've been tre treacherous. We are hating each other, Disre disrespecting God, aligning with some strange God, something other than God. And uh, recently we were sitting, Yvonne and I, with Dwight and Susie Strubard. Do you know them? He's one of the elders, I think, at the Charity Fellowship. Um, and he was talking about how he drew a graph. And everything in this circle is either love for God or love for the world. It's one, one or the other. Either love for God or love for the world. And, and even our good things my love for ministry can actually be a love for the world because if it d distracts me from my love for God. Love for God needs to be everything. And everything will flow out of that. God will cut us off when we do this, whether we're teachers and scholars, professional people, or whether we're church people, professors of faith. Take heed to your spirit, it says in, in chapter 2. It talks about false repentance, hypocrisy, betrayal, unfaithfulness, secrecy, or covert, or covert behavior. You talked about your, has it ever troubled you because of your, your dad? You, you sense that there's stuff, there's stuff there that he doesn't want to talk about or never has been willing to talk about. And so God just says at the end of that chapter, I'm sick and tired of all of it. And then we have chapter 3, which we've already gone over. And now let's go to chapter 4. Actually, first of all, and I forgot to make a copy of that myself, let's, let's go into some discussion time here. And then we'll come back. Yeah, if I could have one of those. We'll come back to this, chapter 4. What about you and your relationships with your fathers, particularly your fathers, but parents, I think, kind of come in there. Parents, but fathers, parents. What about it? I, I've already got Yvonne's notes. She wrote some notes here. So you want to start? 
at this precise point in time, what would you long to have from your father? Yeah. And just a caution to us as fathers, and I, I'm, I've learned to know Yvonne's dad. I love the man. He gave me her phone number even before I asked for it. <laughs> I'll always love him for that. <laughs> um, but sometimes I think that he, he, even in his care for his wife and his kids, it's, it's like how he thinks they would want to be cared for rather than really thinking about how, how would they really they themselves want to be cared for. Anything else? Someone else? Up, uh, on this first question especially. And to me this is helpful. I'm, I'm a father of adults. Some of the rest of you are as well. Um, I'm curious. And some of my, I have five kids. They're all different. And I'm curious to know the answer to this. With most of them, I have a pretty good idea what, what they want from me, but not always and all the time. And so I, talk to me. What do adult kids want from their parents? Respect. Okay. Yeah, you're not just a little boy anymore. Yep. I remember my one son, I used to always thought it was an endearing thing to say, yes, son, or whatever, you know. To me. And he said, could, could you stop saying that? <laughs> he's a man. <laughs> He'll always be my son, I think, but he's a grown man. Yep. Respect. That's good. If the kids know their parents listen to them. Okay, that's, yeah, that's kind of similar, but yeah. Step up, sit up, Dad. Listen. Zip it. Listen. Go ahead, take the mic. It's not to be... They might not hear you over here. All right, there we go. Um, I feel I've had the approval, listening there and all that, but advice is something I still long for. And not like he doesn't give it at all, it's just sometimes it's a little bit passive advice is power. Kind of passive. Bit. Yeah. So you'd like a little more direct. There we go. That's yeah. a word right there. Yeah. Yep. You know, I've been meeting with a man from another church, actually, um, every couple weeks. And that's the way he is. You know, I usually try to get people to answer their own questions and not give them answers. He says, I want answers. Say it to me like you think it. Just, yeah, okay, advice. Go ahead, you can start talking. And then he'll give it to you, yeah. <laughs> I think just understanding, um, I want him to understand where I'm at in life with family, with being a father, 
with um, all the things parents have to face now that my parents didn't. Yeah. So can they even give you advice? Not always. But maybe so then it's just kind of listening and kind of bouncing back, feeding some feedback. Yeah, bouncing things off of them. Uh, for me, it would be space. Space, okay. Um, yeah, he wants to run with, he wants, he says he w he's okay with me running with things, but yet doesn't allow me to run. I'm being vulnerable, mm. uh, especially from the business perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, just not quite letting everything go and still just hovering over it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good, that's good, a good reminder to me. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. Just give them, give them the space and even allow them to fail if you think that's what, if that's why you're constantly hovering. Yeah. I remember when my oldest son, Marcel, headed off to Bible school the first time. He was like 19, 20 years old, and we were in northern Minnesota, and he, we had been donated this little old Toyota car that still ran pretty good, but it was kind of a buck of the bolts. And uh, so he packed the thing full, and his cousin was with him, Hannah, and they headed across the country to Pennsylvania at SMBI. And, and I just happened to be driving to my project that morning, and and I f so I followed them across town because it was along the way. And then I needed to turn off and he went on down 53 toward Duluth. And I remember the thought went through my head. I wish I could follow him the whole way. You know, what if he has problems, you know? And wouldn't it be handy to have dad right there? You know, I could stay back a mile maybe or something. <laughs> I remember just thinking how terrible he would feel if he knew dad was following him back a mile. And then it occurred to me, you know, he has a father that is going to follow him. He's not only with him, he's in him. He doesn't need me anymore. I mean, not really, but I mean, anyway, good. Or who was it that said that? Whoever. Someone else, and we should need to wrap it up here. I just heard somebody saying recently, like, they left home, um, and their parents were very involved in their life when they were growing up, of course, just as good parents are. But then when they left home, it was almost like all of a sudden they had that attitude, well, they don't, they don't need me anymore. And so they never, like, really gave anything. It was like they just completely backed out of their lives. And I don't think we want that from our parents either, so it just takes a lot of discernment. Yeah. Um, you probably experienced that too, but just that thing of completely backing away, like where's that coming from yeah. then, you know? Yeah, no, that's good, good reminder. Okay, what about some of these other questions? Who are you closest to? This whole thing of, yeah, or you can jump around. What, what do you want to talk about from this page? Been hurt. How many have been hurt? I think you've probably all been hurt by your dad some way or another. Not really like an apology or nothing, but at least take some accountability. Some responsibility for yeah. for some of the pain. 
Yeah, for some of the hurt. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh. I think also that <coughs> the parents have to spend time with their kids, you know, have activ activities with them. I think that's how you build relationship, by spending time spending with them. Spending time, you know, quality time. Telling them that you yeah. love them, because yeah. the kids have to learn, uh, have to, to know that their parents love them by telling them that mm -hmm. I love you. Mm -hmm. So I do that with my grandkids. I don't have yeah. a son, but yeah, mm -hmm. Most of you parents here can still set your kids on your lap like that. I would give anything. To be able to set my kids on my lap again. Just to bounce them on my knee one more time so do it <laughs> just hang on to those hug those kids treasure those kids anyway someone else well we need to wrap things up here um, let's go to the last chapter here I just love this chapter the Lord of Heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked, praise God, will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. If you've done any farming and ever saw the young calves out to pasture just leaping with joy on the day when I act you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet says the Lord of heaven's armies this this whole prophecy here speaks of empowerment talk about deliverance talk about whatever wounding you had from your father we are now free as we enter into we're about to read it Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. And you read that verse and you think, what? We're going back into the old covenant? And we're this? No, this is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Look, I am sending you the prophet, Messiah, Elijah, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. And what will his preaching do? His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So everything that we do in life needs to replicate, reflect the value of Jesus and the Messiah. Here it is, the final chapter, the final book in, in the Old Testament starts out with saying, I have always loved you. And he says... I am going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children back to their fathers. What a healing. What a healing this is. And, and I would say, and I'm on this journey myself, uh, nurturing that as I let go and know how to let go and how not to get too back but stay engaged, but, you know, do it perfectly, right? This is only possible with Jesus, the Messiah. And so everything that we do in terms of ministry should be about turning hearts of fathers to their children. 
you know, we could say, oh, these kids that come in for Bible school, they don't have a relationship. With, you know, so let's get on with maybe I can become their father or, or we, we can do all these wonderful things that we can do. But if our ministry to kids is not about, is not, bottom line, reconnecting them with their fathers and turning, at least using them to access so much of ministry, especially in the city, kids provide that avenue kids are so open and willing and through them you can build relationships you don't use kids but they become avenues back to the fathers and the parents and just care about that don't somehow think oh we've got all the answers for these kids and we're gonna no don't neglect the fathers go after those fathers build connections with the parents and bring them back to each other and so if you're ever in a situation where you're counseling somebody who's estranged from their father or somehow has difficulty relating to their father, yeah, listen to them. Care about that. But keep in mind that the real remedy of the Messiah is to turn that whole thing back the way it's supposed to be in Jesus as they all come to know Jesus. And so that's what I wanted to share. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for being the perfect father. And Father, I, yeah, we haven't hardly scratched the surface of what that means coming from you and through us as instruments of your peace and your grace and your righteousness, your love flowing out, setting captives free, Father. Empower us, enable us, forgive us as fathers. Give us the capacity to be honest and to at least apologize and, and to look for ways to restore and reconnect and rebuild. And for those of us that have lost our fathers already, Lord, I just pray a special blessing and, and enablement. Help us to feel you with us in extraordinary ways. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.